is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. I'm in the building. It's Intercom, recording on a Tuesday. Excited to be here. Let me bring in my co-host, Mr. Greg Biggins, 24-7, formerly of Scout.com. GB, what's good? Hey, what's up? How you doing, Keith? Doing good. Looking forward to today's show, my man. We got a lot on tap today. We're going to be talking um, a little sleeper of the week from the Northern California area, Sacramento area, to be exact, Capital Christian High School. Uh, we're going to be talking a little hurt versus injured. Man, on, on the heels, you know, no pun intended, GB, on the heels of the Kevin Durant injury or re-injury last night. What a game that was, by the way. Warriors game six versus, or was that game five? No, it was game six. No, game five. That was game five. Game five versus the Rappers. Raptors, great game. KD comes back, kind of the Willis Reed story. It looks great, right? Starts the game off, looks great. I mean, he's three for three from deep. He's got 11 points in 12 minutes. He's like, all right, I'm about to get active. He's on the wing. He's got the pill. He's getting ready to attack the defense, Greg. What'd you see? Dude, he was he was good. Like you said, people were, I, I mean, I think the, the feeling was he might go 40, right? right? Just because the guy scores so easily and, Man, as soon as he fell down and they showed the replay, I mean, you could tell right away it was it was more of the Achilles area than the, than the calf area, and that's just oh, that's just a brutal injury, dude. I, I remember when Kobe went down, thinking, dude, you just kind of barely just squeeze your Achilles a little bit and it hurts. I can't imagine having it just pop, and then uh, obviously Kobe being Kobe hit the two free throws, but now that's another story. Um, yeah, so Durant going into his free agent year, so now there's the big debate with you know should he have just sat out and protected his future. The guy's a basketball player, and I love what Charles Barkley said when people were saying Zion Williamson should sit out the season. And Charles was saying, "You know what? This is what we do. We play sports. Like whatever happened to playing a sport because that's what you want to do. And forget about oh, you're going to hurt your brand." He's like, "And what happened to just playing the game because you love it and because you enjoy it?" And I think with Durant being a lot more competitive than people think, uh, saying that he could have played when he probably couldn't have, I think that's a uh, that's more of the discussion we'll get into probably later on in the show. So, yeah, really unfortunate for, for KD, but what a huge win for the Warriors still. Man, huge win. And like I said, we will get into that as we move along here. But uh, like as it is customary for our show, we're going to start this thing off with recruiting. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Greg Biggins, please hit us with what you got. Yeah, so had a few commitments. Um that went down over the last couple of days. Joey Hobart, uh, San Juan Hills, a wide receiver, the son of former Washington Husky national championship winning quarterback Billy Joe Hobart. But young Joey Hobart is going to Washington State, the in-state rival. So, um, like Joey a lot, he's a he's a triple threat. Uh, you watch him on tape. He's a he's a receiver. He's a punt kick returner. He's a he's a corner safety. Just an all-around just good football player. He's probably my favorite guy at the Under Armour All-American camp back in March. And I can't think of a better fit for him than Washington State. I mean, just put him in the slot. The guy is super quick, uh, really, really athletic kid, strong. 
great hands. He is tailor-made for that offense. He'll catch 50 balls in that offense. So Joey Hobart going to Washington State, and then I'll run through these real quick. Also from Sarah High School, D.B. Justin Pickney going to UNLV, Jared Greenfield, Narbonne going to Oregon. Uh, Pickney kind of plays more of a like a, like a like a safety corner type position. He's He's got more of a corner frame. Like I said, he plays more safety. Uh, leads, I think he needs to kind of continue to improve his, his athleticism a little bit, uh, just kind of his burst, his twitch. Um, but solid football player. He'll not afraid to, to put his head in there, and he'll play the physical game and has looked good uh, playing premium at some of these seven-on-seven events. And then Jared Greenfield, the guy that you know we've liked for a long time, back in SoCal now, was in Utah last year, former formerly of Crenshaw, uh, came down with, with Greenfield, came down to North Carolina, USC, Oregon, uh, Arizona State, and Cal. But uh, Oregon was kind of the dream school for him. He visited there for the spring game, fell in love with it. Originally wasn't going to announce until August, but he moved it up and decided to go ahead and do it on the 10th. And uh, easily one of the top safety prospects out west. Great ball skills, instincts, just a solid football player. So nice job by Oregon, Washington State, and UNLV, Keith. Yeah, love the fit for all three. Hobart, a guy who's dynamic in the slot, is an elite route runner, a natural ball catcher, hands away from his body, love his ability to get in and out of his breaks and create separation, and then be effective and productive with the ball in his hands after the catch. So love that uh, up in Pullman. He's going to be a great catch and run guy in their spread system. You're going to see him on the crossing routes. You're going to see him on the quick slants. He's going to get it. He's going to go. Greenfield, excuse me. Uh, Yeah, let's talk about Greenfield really quickly. The safety I think it's a great fit for Oregon for one main reason, Greg. Oregon, they love safeties who can not only play deep half of the field and and show some range and be able to roll on top of number one receivers, but they like safeties who can cover. Greenfield is more of a combo safety corner. Played some corner last year. Looked really good. Great footwork. You know, his hips are fluid. He's got the ability to high point the football. Even though he doesn't have great measurables, he's just a really good football player. So his ability to not only play a deep half or a deep free safety with range, sideline, and sideline, but also the ability to cover slots, to be able to cover tight ends, number three receivers in a three-by-one set, I think that's why it's a good fit for Oregon in their secondary room. And then uh, who's the last kid, Greg, uh, remind me one more time, UNLV commit? Oh, Justin Pinkney. Justin Pinkney. Again, UNLV, they're not going to get the top flight four- and five-star recruits. What they have to do is go find those guys, those three-star kids who lack a little athleticism, that lack a little twi- quick twitch ability, but then come in and recruit and develop, right? You got to be a great general manager at UNLV. You got to be able to recruit and develop. Kids who may be overlooked, maybe two inches shorter, maybe a half a step slower, give them what they need to be effective in your program, in your scheme, in your system, uh, good for Pinkney and his family. So great for all three guys. Congratulations. Yeah, and obviously uh, Pinkney very close with Doug Brumfield, his teammate, who's also going to UNLV. So I think UNLV, you know, for them, I think they're recruiting the right way. They're going after players uh, that, uh, again, this isn't an insult, but going after guys that maybe aren't, aren't your your USC, UCLA, Washington caliber guy, but the guys that are kind of underneath it, and they're trying to battle and compete against you know, the other Mountain West schools. And if you can get a pipeline into a school like Sarah, you know, UNLV is, you know, this is what Doug told me, and it makes sense. You know, it's, it's close to home, but yet still 
far enough away from home where he felt like he, you know, he's getting away. So, you know, you can it's a four hour drive, um, but you're still have your independence. You can still kind of grow up without having your parents around you. But if you want to go home, boom, get in the car and you're, you're there in, in a few hours. So a uh, nice job for all three of these guys. And then just a few offers. Again, it's too, too, takes, too time consuming to throw out every offer, but I just want to throw out, uh, you know, USC had their seven on seven tournament over the weekend. And uh, they offered three players. All three were just freshmen. Uh, two of these guys have already blown up this offseason. Uh, Malik Murphy, the quarterback from Sarah. C.J. Williams, the wide receiver from modern day. And then also St. John Bosco uh, athlete Tavion Beasley, who can play running back or corner. So all three players uh, really lit up that 7-on-7 seven seven event. Malik Murphy has, uh, we talked about him in, in depth, I want to say two weeks ago, kind of comparing him to maybe a, a Randall Cunningham, just a guy who's just physically gifted. Uh, C.J. Williams, again, just a freshman. He could be Marty's go-to guy as a sophomore this year. Extremely talented, athletic body. The guy's got a college body already, but he can run. And then Tavion Beasley uh, is a guy who played on the freshman team last year, but he'll make a big jump, and the coaches swear by him until he can start maybe opposite uh, James Smith at the corner position. He's got some pretty good running back tape as well, but I think Boston's got a little more depth at running back. So look for Tavion Beasley. Probably about five nine, maybe five ten on a good day. Um, look for him to probably slot in as one of those corner uh, positions. But like I said, also has some pretty good running back tape. So all three guys picked up offers from USC following their seven on seven tournament on Sunday. Keith, Greg, did you happen to be in attendance before I kind of jump in here? Were you there, or did you just catch some video and just kind of catch the recruiting information? Just caught the video. And obviously caught the, the information afterwards and talked to some people. But no, I, I my Sunday was uh, I was I was in recovery mode. You were leave it at that. You were in recovery mode. <laughs> well, a couple a couple things that I that I noticed that I took away, and I know I think I think you mentioned this a couple weeks back talking about Malik Murphy. He's got that elongated delivery. Did you mention that, Greg? I did. I did. And I noticed that right. So I haven't seen Malik a ton. Let's. That's just me being out. I haven't seen him a ton. Of course, was a backup last year. Played freshman ball. I haven't seen him a ton. I don't really do the seven-on-seven thing. Heard a ton about him, though. That elongated delivery that's got to tighten up. It's got to tighten up. Because as I'm watching the video, and I'm what I'm thinking as I'm seeing, watching him throw the ball is, man, I can break on that. That's a long delivery. Good defensive backs who are reading that quarterback in zone coverage or an off man on a on a on a on a quick or something hot. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna see that. They're gonna jump a route. Gotta tighten that up. Um CJ Williams, he looks special. Never I haven't met CJ. Hearing about him for a, a pretty long time now. Grew up a Mission Viejo Cowboy. Now playing at Modern Day. Looking at the video. Looks a little bit of a like a man child out there. Um, he's listed at six two. Greg, have you met him? Can you confirm six two? Yeah, he's 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 probably right about that six two bubble six one six two. I mean, you look at him as a freshman. Like I said, like you would you would think he could be a college freshman. You meet him face to face. I mean, he's a mature mature looking kid, and uh, I I would probably give him maybe maybe closer to six one and a half than than a full six two. But he'll right. he'll be six two soon. Right, so he looks. He looks to be special. I see special gifts, special traits when you talk about Williams. 
Um, and then Tavion Beasley, he's one of my guys I spot shadowed as a top performer from the Bosco Showcase. Of course, we all know Bosco's loaded and they got a ton of players, but you saw something dynamic in this young, undersized cover corner who had aggressiveness and quickness and top-end speed and ball skill. Beasley, uh, look for him to be, you said, opposite James Smith, moved into the slide in certain situations, dime package, matching out with, you know, the quicker, more elusive um, inside receivers uh, that are, you know, reside out here in Southern California. So, um, good, good, good group. I don't know if we can call them freshmen anymore, though, Greg. I'm backing off. I'm backing off that. You know what I'm saying? I know you called them freshmen. People are calling them freshmen. I'm off that, Greg. I don't know if we can call them freshmen. But these guys are sophomores now. Let's be real. Yeah. No. Typically, I once football's over, I almost start calling those guys sophomores. Which you know, it's, it's people would kind of confuse these people. I guess, but I guess once they graduate, once school's over, I know. I know for us out here. Yeah. Um, my son's last day was last Friday. He's a senior, but the the uh, the under underclassmen, I guess you call them, they still got a week to go. So until they graduate, I, I'm just gonna come a freshman. But yeah, football wise, they're they're sophomores, obviously. Um, you know, with Murphy, you know, the interesting thing is his release wasn't as long. Just throwing on air and throwing on, you know, throwing at the the Clarkson quarterback clinic retreat. Mm-hmm. I think what happens is you as you're playing against live bullets. And things aren't aren't happening, um, you know. Your release tends to get longer when you're not processing as fast. So that's something that I learned, you know, from Steve Clarkson a long time ago. I was like, man, because Steve, all of his guys way back in the day, you know, when he was training guys like Chris Ricks and Casey Clawson and um, a lot of those guys, they all were kind of known for the quick release. That was they got rid of the ball so quick. I'm like, you teach that, you know, just that, you know, the release is all so quick and tight. Um, Casey, Casey Clawson, the old Clawson family had probably one of the tightest releases that you, you're going to see. Um, and he was like, you know what? It's not so much a mechanical thing. It's we do so much chalk work that when they're out there, they can read things fast. And the faster you can read stuff, that's when your release gets tighter. So I think with Malik, uh, it's mechanically, yeah, that'll get tighter. Danny Hernandez is a great quarterback coach. And that's who he works with. But I think the more reps that Malik gets, the faster he's able to process, he'll get the ball out quicker. Um, and then that release won't look as elongated because, yeah, right now, again, but that's kind of Randall kind of had that elongated release yep. a little bit. That's why when you mm-hmm. compared him to Randall, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. without seeing him, you kind of compared him to a guy who had a, a similar release. Yeah. So, um, but no, good breakdown. And I, I remember you mentioned Beasley. So it'll be fun to see him. Maybe I could trade on back for Robosco, yep. like a nickel, um, who's obviously having a great career at Cal right now. So, yeah, Keith, that's about it for uh, for recruiting for the week. Hey, man, don't frown on a nickel, guys. Nickels are getting paid a lot of money. A lot. Chris oh, Harris getting yeah. paid a lot of money, man. Guys are getting, you know, $10 million, $9 million a year to be a nickel. So Nickel, Roby Coleman didn't get drafted at USC, and he's built, built a nice career as a nickel for, you know, for the Rams. And, no, you can definitely play as a nickel. That wasn't an insult at all. Yeah, no, no. That's kind of no, no. where he yeah. would slot in. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Thank you, GB, for the recruiting report. Always appreciated. My friend, moving along here. It's time for our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects 
that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, our sleep of the week this week, Greg, we're going to take it to Northern California, the Sacramento area. And I'm um, not sure if we mentioned this guy as a one to watch about a year ago, but I'm here to tell you he's going to light up that area of football very, very soon. I'm talking about none other than one of my Pro Football Hall of Fame, eighth grade All-Americans in the 2023 class, going to Capital Christian High School for his high school years. Mr. Rico Flores, he's a combination receiver. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can get it on fly sweeps. Um, He's a ball skills guy. I mean, terrific ball skills, great body control. He's got unbelievable tracking down the field. I love his ability to run routes in the mid-range, create separation, not only with his his footwork, but also with his strength. Rico puts a lot of time in the gym. Shout out to my guy over at Game Fit, Coach Lim over at Game Fit, uh, they've been working together for years. Rico, Rico is a polished receiver. He has the strength to create separation with a chicken wing, lean on you, and bounce off of you. He also has the length and catch radius um, to box you out and be able to separate with, with that arm length. Um, want him to continue to work on his straight line speed, his linear speed, his top end speed. Um, also, continue to stay in that weight room. If he reminded you of somebody right now, he would remind you of L.V. Bunkley Shelton. Very, very. And the thing about it is, they look similar. They look like they could be brothers. Um, L.V. got a chance to see him at the under the radar straight baller camp. I said, "Hey, L.V., there goes your little brother right there." And they, and they look very similar. Long hair. Um, light complected, you know, built kind of the same way, the same type of length, the, really the same type of skill set, to be honest with you. Uh, I think Rico's going to be a national recruit. It's only a matter of time until he puts up 1,000 yards and 10-plus touchdowns and competes nationally at the national events at the high school level. Uh, outstanding receiver, and uh, he's going to have a great career at Capital Christian, and good luck moving forward. But congratulations, Rico. You're this week's Sleeper of the Week. College coaches, if you're listening, Capital Christian, Rico Flores, you better offer him now uh, because he's going to be a 30-plus offer guy, guaranteed. GB, it's time to move along. Move it along. Last night, Greg, what a uh, – and, of course, we're talking last night because we're recording on a Tuesday. So the Warriors game went down last night, and uh, – I had a feeling the Warriors would win, Greg. I put out a tweet kind of before it happened, and I said, hey, Warriors win this. It's going seven games. And just had a feeling. You could just tell the Warriors weren't going to bow out 
in five games. You just, I just had, I just had that feeling. You know, these are champions. They're not just gonna bow out after five games. Then they're getting the juice of Kevin Durant, and I didn't even think Kevin Durant would play that well. Rick, I thought he would be rusty. I thought maybe he'd score a couple buckets, but be very rusty, be tired. He hadn't played in 32 days, right? So you think fatigue is gonna kick in? But as the game starts, he looks good. They look great. He looks phenomenal. And, you know, they're up 13, 12 points. What do you think at the start of the game, Greg? Yeah, I, I had a feel they'd come out strong like that. I didn't know KD would light it up the way he did. But I, I kind of – you knew. they. I mean, they have a Harvard champ, but you knew they'd come out strong. I thought eventually Toronto would kind of just wear them down. And, I, I mean, I think clearly uh, through five games, three uh, – four games, I think they look like the clearly superior team, right? They won two in a row on the road to right. bring it back to you know to Toronto. So I thought they'd I thought they'd win it then when K D went down and, and they went up what, six or, or seven late, the game might go, dude, Toronto just won a you know, a championship. Kawhi Leonard established himself right now a top three player in the world. Yeah. Two way best two way player in the world. Yes. And then uh dude, and then they hit shots. Steph hit shots. Clay hit shots. It was just it was phenomenal. But that's not the discussion, obviously, people right. want to hear about. Um, the KD discussion, let's just jump right in, Keith. Okay. So, to play or not to play, you know, are you hurt or are you injured is like a classic, you know, coach speak, talking to players who they don't really, maybe they don't feel like are, are sincerely hurt. I think it's not as bad as it used to be because of, you know, the pro- concussion protocols now and, you know, guys die on the field and it's made, I think, people extra, extra cautious, especially about head injuries, but in Katie's case, I think people were definitely questioning his manhood on Twitter, on the social media platforms. Even, you know, people that are kind of professional when it comes to journalists were questioning, you know, can he play? Uh, if it's just a calf injury, you know, suck it up, tape it up and get out there. He goes out there, he plays for his team, and now he conceivably could miss his whole season next year. Right. It is free agent year. People don't know. People, people don't know. You know, he's on a contract here. No, right. My my guess is because he's KD and he's still, you know, young. Yeah, yeah. he's still still got a, a max contract. But again, it, it just kind of begs the question: Should KD have looked out for his best interest? And how do we make this applicable to to our audience, high school kids? Mm-hmm. You know, at, at the high school level, going into the college level, you know, when is it okay to to say, you know what, I can't go today? When is it okay for you? Maybe tell a coach, you know what, coach, I got a, I got an injury that's more legit than you may think. If I could play, I would play. You know, yeah, you're going to be called names. I think even keeping this more topical, uh, there was an article, what, three UCLA football players are suing Jim Mora and Adrian Clem because they said they were kind of belittled and forced to go when they had head injuries. They weren't treated properly. So, um, you know, I'll throw it to you, Keith, kind of, you know, your high school coach, Yep. Um, obviously, you played. What is the what is what was your philosophy when you were coaching? And obviously, I know every player's different, right? Yeah, you, you probably had tough kids that you know would run for a wall. If they said they were hurt, you probably took that a little bit more relevant than a kid who you know maybe a little more soft. Maybe they always seem to have a neck or something is always you know what I'm saying. There's always those guys. There's always something wrong with them. You're kind of going, man, is this guy just not a tough kid? And you're probably just going, dude, just just get out. Right, good football mentality. Just you're out of here. What, what was your kind of philosophy as, as a coach, and even as a player as well? Man, I've got so much. I've got so much to say. I've got a lot of internal struggle with this, Greg. A lot of. I've got some deep emotional baggage as well. Um, so let me get into that. So as a coach, 
Um, we had a we had we and I say we is normally it's a staff decision. We had pretty much one rule: if you could walk, you could play. And depending on how much we needed you in that particular game, if it was a team we could handle without you, we sat you out. If you felt like, hey, Coach, I'm really you know I'm injured. Um, but if you normally if we were going to play Long Beach Poly or we were going to play Lakewood or Esperanza or Orange Lutheran and it was a big time game, if you could walk, you could play. That that was the expectation. Um, right or wrong, that's what the expectation was from our staff. And I'm trying to think back to those years, and we never really had an issue to where a kid was hurt or injured and said, you know, well, I'm not, I, I can't play. And then he didn't play. Normally, if a kid was hurt, um, we, we took them through a protocol. We made sure they were getting treatment and we expected them to play hurt, right or wrong. We expected them to play hurt. I take you back to this 2018 season. I'm coaching 7U football and my oldest son is chasing after a kid. He somehow, it's like a clutter of kids. He trips over somebody, falls, hits his elbow on somebody's cleat and he gets up and he's in tears and I'm looking at him like boy if you don't stop crying on this football field he's holding his elbow and I tell him you know I'm telling him you know don't don't come at me with all the crying he goes to the sidelines he's holding his elbow Uh, by the time I get to the sidelines he says dad I'm coming back in in the fourth quarter coming back in in the fourth quarter so we hadn't been scored on so far in the year I believe and uh, they had the other team had this little kid who was dynamic, and we needed my son to really come in and stop him. So I'm saying, I screamed to the side, Austin, get in here. He's holding his elbow. He's still crying. He comes into the game. Uh, the kid from the other team busts a long run. Austin runs the kid down with one arm hanging by his side like it's dead, with the other arm pumping. He neckties the guy with the, with the good arm, bulldogs him to the ground before the goal line. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, great play. Thank you. We don't want these guys to score. Austin's in tears still. So after the game, he's got this swollen elbow. I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe you got got a sprained elbow. I've been there before. I know it hurts a ton. Then, you know, a couple hours later, I'm thinking maybe it's not a sprain. So we take him to the emergency office. Coach Keith, it's it's probably broken. We take him to the orthopedic. It's broken. And I just remember feeling really bad, feeling really bad. Because he was telling me, and I could see it in his eyes, that he was hurt. But I didn't want the other team to score. We didn't want the other team to score. I didn't want him letting his teammates down. And that's something that, you know, we preach. I preach to him wholeheartedly that it's not about him. It's about his team and leading them to victory. And that was probably my proudest moment as a dad, looking back, Greg. Um him fighting through that pain to run this little fast kid down so it prevent him from scoring that was one of my proud and I told and I remember telling him and I've told him this um that's when I knew you were a dog when you can sprint down the field with a broken elbow that you can't move and basically choke slam somebody to the ground 
that's when I know you love the game and you want to win and you will do anything for your teammates. Now, was it the right move for me to bring him back in the game? Probably wasn't the right move. But that's kind of the, the give and take you kind of got to go through as a coach, probably as a dad. I know my dad went through it with me. So there's a lot of internal struggle there. Um, so, you know, how do you gauge? You just, you, you got to just do the best you can. Again, if you can walk, you can play. That's my philosophy. He could walk. He could play. So I put him in. And um, looking back in retrospect, should I have done it? Probably shouldn't have done it. But that's just a decision I had to live with. I remember feeling really bad about it once we knew it was broken and kind of had to go through that together. Uh, but he bounced back. I want to take you to the emotional baggage, Greg. The emotional baggage that I have with this is um, as a high school player, my, going into my senior year, I transferred to Sarah High School. Luzinger broke down. I transferred to Sarah. I played with my closest friend, Jay Sean Sykes. We were the top two. We were two of the top three linebackers in the state. It was, it was Robert Thomas, Jay Sean Sykes, myself. One, two, three, or however you wanted to arrange it. And a week before our first game, Greg, I get the ball in practice. I get tackled. Wendell Hunter, who you know well, um, former Cal linebacker. He was a sophomore at the time. He rolls up on the back of my foot, twist high ankle sprain, high ankle sprain, it's like devastating injury. You know, if you're a if you're a ball player, I get this high ankle sprain, and I had never missed a game in my life. So we ice up, we do everything we're supposed to do. We play Gardena. You know, seven days later, and I could walk. I couldn't run, but I played. And I'll never forget, after that game, I got a call from um, I got a call from Hugh Jackson. And he says, you know, you know, Keith, you didn't look really good. I said, well, you know, Hugh, I, you know, I have a, I got a, I've got a high ankle sprain. I sprained it in practice. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I understand, I understand. But that was the consensus, Greg, around the country. I mean, Keith didn't look good his first couple of games, his first few games. You know, they usually get the first two or three games, the college coaches do. Keith did not look good. And even though I played through and played for my teammates with a high ankle sprain, it hurt me recruiting-wise. My grades weren't great. Then I had this high ankle sprain and I didn't look good. Colleges began to question me. I took a real hit in recruiting. So I played the entire season with a high ankle sprain. And if you know anything about a high ankle sprain, ever had it and played in a contact sport, that thing, it'll, it'll continue to keep spraining every little piece of contact. It'll keep spraining. So I, had, I played with this throughout the entire year. So... Did I look great all year? I didn't. I had a couple instances where, you know, I looked like my old self. Um, but it was a it was a struggle. I lost a lot of scholarship offers. Teams who stuck by me were the teams who, you know, I took serious interest in at the end of the recruiting process. Um, <clears throat> but there's a lot of emotional baggage. I felt abandoned, Greg, in in. This might be over some people's heads. I felt abandoned. I felt um, devalued. I felt overlooked. Um, Even though these coaches knew who I was, they knew what I could do. 
though I was playing with a sprained ankle, they still, they turned their backs on me. They, those scholarships were not there when I was, when I wanted to schedule my official visits. Do you understand, Greg? Oh, no. Dude, I, I covered you back you, in the day. You, I don't you, know if people, the people know, right. but yeah, I mean, you go way back. Right. Um, you know, recruiting now is different. Back then, senior tape actually mattered. You know, now it's like, you know, eighth graders getting offered, and even though they're not committable, uh, recruiting has sped up quite a bit. Yeah. But, uh, no, back then, senior year definitely mattered. And, you know, I had seen you play. And, obviously, Jason Sykes and Robert Thomas were national, national guys. Those, 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 those were dudes. And so, no, like what you're saying, I could totally, I could totally empathize because, you know, your recruitment did, did completely fall off the, the map. And then, like you mentioned, you know, the, the grade things hurt a little bit as well. But I'm sure the grades – and I don't think we've ever had this discussion before, but I'm sure the grades – probably has something to do with just your, your emotional state, right? When you start to see, you know, all your dreams kind of, you know, kind of just falling away, it affects your work in the classroom. So, um, no, that's a, that's definitely a walk back through memory lane, uh, talking about all, all this with you and, and just kind of, it, it was funny, when I, I mentioned to you, I saw Wendell at the yes. uh, NorCal Nike camp, and he told me the story. He goes, yeah, you know, people thought, you know, maybe it was intentional because I was a linebacker. Keith was, you know, our senior leader. I was like, soft, I think he said he was a sophomore, maybe yep. two years behind you. Yep. And he's like, it was totally unintentional. Mm-hmm. But people were thinking, oh, Wendell's trying to steal his position and, you know, rolled on his ankle. And, uh, you know, he was still very complimentary and said, hey, Keith was still a leader and very, very tough, fought through it, but was never really the same guy. Because, you know, I've, again, I'm a kinesiology major. Right. A high ankle sprain is probably worse than a broken ankle. Oh my because god! It never really heals correctly, right? Still, like, it's still not healed, Greg. To yeah, this day, a broken ankle you yeah. can you can heal from that. You can get it fixed, and it, it'll heal, and you'll be good to go. A high ankle sprain, you continue to play on it, and it just it never you'll you'll never get back to one hundred percent, not even ninety percent. Yeah, a lot of emotional baggage, Greg. I took a very hard hit for playing through pain. Playing for my teammates, um, I probably lost upwards of fifteen scholarships. Now my, my poor grades didn't help. I was right on the borderline. I hadn't passed my SAT, so I'm sure you know college coaches were putting the profile together. He's hurt. Um, he's a little undersized. Um, his SATs look got low SAT score. His GPA is right there at the borderline. So I get why it happened, but. I'm just telling you how I felt as a 17-year-old senior. Um, That's but young. You're a young senior, I'm, Keith. What the heck? You actually were <laughs> <laughs> um, No, like, you're, you're the guy, Keith, that you needed your senior year to to really show. Because like I said, measurable-wise, you were, you know, 5'11 and a half. Right. You know, 4'7", four, 4'8", four, four, guy. You're not the kind of guy, you know, who's the 6'3", the right. 210-pound specimen who runs 4'6", and just... You're not. You weren't that guy. You were just a really, 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 really good high school football player. Just made a ton of tackles. Right. Right. Think of like a Blake Anzalato type of type of guy. Just a, a guy who's not going to test great, but just just a baller. And you know when you put like so you put the profile. Like, let, let this be a lesson for the youngsters. You know right. that's why I'm sharing it. When yes. You, when you put the profile together and and the you know schools will take a risk on a player. It's a sliding scale, right? If you're a really really good player with great measurables. 
Now, your grades can be a little on the shakier side. They'll take a risk. If your grades are really, really good, um, but, you know, maybe they don't see the upside, they'll take a chance. But if the grades and the SAT score isn't really good, and then the physical measurables, you're not 6'3", not 210, when you kind of combine that whole package and now you're coming off an injury, like that's, that's a rough thing to overcome right there. It was tough. Again, Greg, I still have emotional baggage from from that year or a couple of years because, you know, it ended up me being going to junior college because I didn't pass my test in time, but later did pass my test. Got to junior college and just had a rash of injuries, shoulder, you know, major reconstructive shoulder surgery. Um, it was it, it was tough. It was it was tough. Um, then got to college, blew out my knee the first year, um, tore my uh, uh, bicep. The next year, it, I had a, a I had about a four year run of injuries that was critical um, into my to end in my football journey. But um, <clears throat> you know when when to play, when not to play. In retrospect, do I wish I wouldn't have played? I wish I wouldn't have played, Greg. But I could never see myself letting my teammates down knowing that I can play. I'm I'm not so that you guy. Feel like in, so in hindsight, do you feel not playing, like having that having that average, you know, senior tape, you know, do you think if you didn't play and set out the whole entire season, do you feel like those offers would have been there in light of no senior film with the with the low academic profile as well? Yeah, I think they would. Yeah. Maybe not all of them, but I think they would. So I had a I had a I had a UCLA I had essentially almost the entire it was the Pac-12 at ten at the time. Uh, the only one I didn't have was SC, I believe. Um, and I had Washington State. I don't know if I had I, mean, I had Arizona. I had Arizona State. I had Cal. Um, even uh, um, I'm trying to think. If I wouldn't have, I, I would have had probably half of those offers still. Because, you know, I was a, a 95 tackle, 12 and a half sack. I was super productive. Um, you know, I was I was a great kid. But that senior year film, it, it hurt me bad. It did. And it sucks that it turned out that way. But I think I ended up where I was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just, you know, it. it Should I remember calling you, Keith? Like, dude, it's like the, the most un, like it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. for me. I remember like it was like yesterday. It still happens today when you call. Kids got ten offers, and then you know, five minutes later you, you say, "Hey, you know what trips you got set up? Oh, I don't have any trips set up yet." Yep. Oh, what happened to so and so? Oh, and like the player doesn't know what to say, right? The player doesn't want to say, "Oh, they dropped me." Like it happens every year for me mm-hmm. when I'll call a kid who's got ten offers in the spring, and then you'll, you'll talk to him in December. And you'll ask him, hey, you know, what trips you're taking? And he's hoping to get maybe a New Mexico State offer. And you're going, dude, you had like seven, eight offers from like Washington State and San Diego State and, yep. you know, and BYU. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I haven't heard from them. And it's kind of just, you're, it's a really uncomfortable situation for, for me as the guy doing the interview. And like, yeah. obviously the kid. Oh, it sucks. It kind of feels like he's on the spot. But um, no, so getting back, you know, just kind of rela- making it relatable again, and it, you know, with KD. I, I think if you are a true competitor, you always want to play. You yep. don't you don't think about the long term, you know, repercussions. You're thinking my team needs me, and I know this is going to sound controversial, and I know I'm, I'm on an island, but I, I literally I hate when guys sit out bowl games. 
And I know people will probably say I'm being, you know, maybe I don't get it or I'm being naive, but I just feel like, dude, like the best part about playing a sport, if you talk to anybody, it's not going to say, you know, the touchdowns or the home runs or the three-point shot. Teammates. It's the teammates, right? Everybody has said that. Just like the bowl game, People are always, who cares? It's not even a, it's not even a BCS bowl game. What's the, what if he gets hurt? Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, how about you just play because you love the sport. You love playing with your team for one last time. One last time to play with your teammates. Isn't that worth it? Yep. You know, like for me, like I just cringe at that. And it doesn't matter if you're going to be a first overall pick. I just feel like, like I said, I, I don't always agree with Charles Barkley, but the whole Zion Williamson thing was bothering me when they were saying, sit it out, nothing to gain nothing to gain like how about because you want to play and you're playing for your teammates you're playing for a championship don't don't those things matter anymore yeah they do they do matter I, I could not fathom Greg sitting out my senior year of high school I transferred to go play with my closest friend we had dreams of going to college together I'll never forget Brian Cabral calling us you know who's the linebacker coach at, at Colorado said you guys are the best tandem in the country can't wait to get you guys up here. And we had dreams of playing together at the next level. And I know it was uncomfortable for him as guys, his recruiting ramped up, my recruiting dwindled. And, but how are you going to sit out your senior year of high school? I mean, in my household, in my family, that's like, that's like the Antichrist. Cannot sit out your senior year of high school because you have an ankle. <laughs> Now, I had a dad who's like, I, I want to say former Marine, you know, you're not ever a former Marine, but you know, he's passed on. So that's why I say former, but that's sure. he was my little league baseball coach. And I think I told the story, man, I got hit in the face of the fastball and I was young and he yelled at me for not running to first base, <laughs> cry from first base, but get up and run. That, that was kind of, you know, my mindset growing up. And it was just, I, I get, I get there's so much money. I get that. I, I promise I'm not that dumb. I get the money and I get the risk. But I still, I'm just that guy. I, mean, I just like, just go play because someday you, you won't be able to play anymore and you'll miss those opportunities. You'll miss playing in the bowl game. You'll miss, you know, being in the locker room, suited up with pads on or whatever your sport is, whether it be basketball, soccer, football, track. And I just feel like you miss out when you sit out, when you could play to help your team because you're now, – now let me just preface this by saying if you're really, really hurt and you risk – maybe aggravate an injury even worse. That's when I kind of maybe draw the line and say, man, if there's a risk of, if you're playing with the stretch factor that you can break, mm-hmm. you know what? Be careful. Head injuries, don't ever play with that. I'm, I'm super sensitive when it comes to head injuries or spinal type right. stuff. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> but when it's something that you can play through, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, dude, play. And if you're not hurt and don't want to play because of a financial reason, that really ticks me off. Yeah. No, I mean, you're bringing back so many thoughts that I had back then, so many um, feelings that I had back then. And <clears throat> it, like, like you talk with Window, if you ask any one of those teammates, they knew, Greg, they know. They know. Um, Jamil Powell, Jay Sean Sykes, Wendell Hunter, um, Jelani Harrison, they know. And... Um, it was, it was tough, but I want to move forward to when I was in college, Greg. So in high school, it's one thing. It's, it's, it's the pressure you put on yourself, and it's not, it's not letting your teammates down. And, it's, and uh, it's what you want to go out there and perform. In college, though, it's totally different. It's totally different. So 
in college, it's the first, it's maybe the first day in pads, first day of physical contact in pads. And uh, my, I had a guy, his name was Bam, 6'5", 360-pound offensive guard. He's from the Alabama area. I was going to Alabama State at the time. And uh, we're in a 9-on-7 inside run drill, physical drill. He comes at me, and we meet contact to contact. And I, let's just say I, I handled my business. But when I did, my front leg, front knee buckle, I end up tearing my LCL, which is my lateral collateral ligament, right? Swells up. And they're like, okay, Keith, you may not need surgery. You might just need to be out for a few weeks. Okay. Ice, the whole deal. And then our defensive backs coach, who wasn't even my coach. I was a linebacker. He said, you know, first of all, the coaches don't talk to you. When you're hurt in college and you can't play, they don't talk to you. I'm not meaning like, hey, come let's have a meeting. I mean, they won't speak to you, Greg. Does that make sense? They will walk right past you. <laughs> this is common now. This is common. This isn't something that's uncommon. This is common at the college level, even at the professional level. I have, I have friends. I have people I used to coach. They will tell you. They won't talk to you. They won't speak to you. It's like you don't exist. Defensive, and I'm in the complex. Defensive back coach tells me, man, you are. Right. You can play. Keith, you're a, you're a B. You're a B-I-T-C-H. And we are, we essentially had a fight right then and there. And I wasn't going to be, you know, I was already feeling away because they kind of turn their backs. They don't want to talk to you. They're trying to get you to feel like you're not a part of it until you get back on the field and become a part of it. That, that's the whole psychological piece to it. And but when the coach called me a B, that you what you're not gonna do is just disrespect me. And so we essentially had, had a fight in a complex. Coach's name was Coach Atterbury. He was gone. Um, was it you know that year, later that year, or the next year? But this is how you're treated in college. Again, you're treated as if you you not you don't exist because you're not affecting the team on the field positively you're not involved so they just kind of you know turn a deaf ear to you and it's like that in high school it's like that on college and the NFL level so there's a lot of psychological games that are played um there's a lot of um I don't know that they, they put you in a place to where you feel like you have to play to feel a part of what you've put all the hard work into to be a part of. So you can imagine how some people say, um, you know, maybe they treat, maybe they made him feel a certain way. Not I'm talking to KD, I'm just talking in just in general. They make a player feel a certain way, like the UCLA thing. They'll, make, they'll, they'll talk about you. They'll talk about you now. I had a fight with a coach. They will talk about you. Um, they will make you feel a way. They will play the psychological game. All to get you to push through the pain to get back on the field. That's all a part of it, Greg. I'm not exaggerating. Not one iota. It's all a part of it. I've, I've seen it. I've been through it. I've heard about it. 
um, in detail. So, um, man, it's bringing back a lot of memories, a lot of memories. Shout out to the coaches who were doing things right. You know, I'm one of those coaches. I'm going to push you to play. I'm not going to ignore you. I'm not going to play psychological games with you. My brother will. But (laughs) (laughs) it's more psychological games, you know, not like the college coaches were doing, but I'm going to push you to play if I feel you can play. Maybe you don't think you can play, but... There's a fine line, like you said, Greg, being able to play and be effective or play and re-injuring. So I think that, you know, you have to take into account what the injury is, um, what the diagnosis is, what the capacity for either A, re-injuring or B, making that injury worse. There's a lot that goes into that. But um, for me and mine, we're going to play. We're going to play hurt. If he if if my son daughter can't walk they won't play. If they can walk they're playing. And we'll we'll assess things and evaluate things as we as we go forward. So that's all I got on it, GB. Anything any final words from you? No, that's good. That's good stuff, man. Good good. Uh, I think good for for kids to hear and, and for coaches and for everyone. So um, no, good job rehashing and, and revisiting some some pretty painful. I heard it in your voice some pretty painful it, times it, from from it yesteryear. Was. Yep. It was. <clears throat> Not even sure if I'm still you know, over it yet, but that's neither here nor there. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Transparent Truth, um, the world's number one high school football podcast. Excited about Greg? What are we getting ready to move into year three? What 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 are we doing here? That sounds like that. That sounds way no too moving long. It, moving into year four. Wait one, two. Okay, we're finishing up year two. Finishing up year two. Trevor Lawrence. Remember the very first show we ever did, we broke down, you know, our initial rankings. And that was the the Matt Corral. Uh, that was that class, recruiting right. class. And Matt is going to be a sophomore in college this year. Right. That would be three, I guess. Right. Okay. So before we went to the opening Matt Corral's year, that was kind of like our first shows. It was like yeah. June. What is that of? What is that of? Would have been like seventeen. Seventeen. Okay, so we're finishing up our second year here. Yes, get moving into our third year. Whatever, it's, it's moving fast. It's Whatever moving it fast. Is. It is. Yeah. It's moving fast. Great to have you, GB. Thanks a lot. And uh, what? Catch us on Friday. We're gonna be breaking down. The, the three top corners in America. Ironically, they're here on the West Coast, two in California. We're going to be breaking them down um, critically. Please tune in. You're not going to want to miss that. It's the Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. It's your man, Greg Biggins. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool. <laughs>